welcome to the Lighthouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson. I'm joined here by Carolyn Thomas. Hello. And we've got a new guest tonight, Olivia Blackie. Hello. How's you going? Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're starting off a new series called The Commands of Jesus. And it is what it appears to be. We are going to go be going through The Commands of Jesus. Um, one of the last things Jesus said to us um, was to teach, you know, make disciples and teach people to obey everything I've commanded you. So he was paid a, you know, there's a high premium on following and obeying his commands. Um, that's really important. And often if we're not obeying the commands of Jesus, there's going to be consequences lived out in our life that we may not necessarily know what it's from. Um, so that's something really important that we want to know what they are and we want to be applying that into our lives. And I think an important thing you, there as well is that Jesus says that if you love me, you'll obey what I command you. And, and so if we, like you said, maybe unwittingly there's things that we are, are breaking or not aware of, um, you know, we will have consequences. And, and so it, it brings blessing knowing what the commands are and actually obeying them. And that shows him our love. Yeah. Okay, so um, we three girls are going to be looking at um, a couple of different parables um, and the the commands of Jesus around it. So we're going to be looking at salt and light, um, bitterness or offense, and we're going to be looking at forgiveness, and we're also going to be looking at the parable of the wise and and foolish builders. Um, Yeah, so we're going to be, well, I guess we'll just... um, I'm just going to read the scripture. Matthew 28:19-20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, but it's more than just a follower. It's an imitator where your goal is actually to become like the person that you're following. And, um, you know, for us as Christians, our chief, our primary goal is to become increasingly conformed to the image of Jesus. And that, that in a nutshell is discipleship. Yeah, so what do you take discipleship to be, Liv? I think Kylan pretty much <laughs> You left nothing for me to say. That relationship is not. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as well it's important that, you know, we know he said to make disciples, not make converts, because too many people, too many Christians are converts rather than disciples. And, um, you know, that's why you can have someone who's, um, you know, I've been a Christian for 40 years and, you know, actually we heard this over the weekend as yeah. well. And I've read it before somewhere, but um, it's no, you haven't been a Christian for 40 years. You've been a Christian for one year repeated 40 times. Yeah. Um, and, and that really, um, why that situation arises and sadly it is, there is there are a lot of people in that situation and it arises because um, there hasn't been that growth that maturing they're still carnal still immature in the faith and um, yeah really it's just that difference between being a disciple and actually obeying and applying the word because obedience is application that's so important that makes a difference yeah yeah hearers and doers yeah that's right um i think discipleship is so important i mean um, growing up in the church, that all I knew was that um, you know we focus a lot on the sin, like sin issues and consequences of sin in people's life, 
and not necessarily dealing with the deeper root and you know with non-believers it was a focus on the symptoms of the sin in their life rather than dealing with the root cause Mm -hmm. so um yeah not dealing with iniquity the the sin that's keeping them from relationship with jesus but rather dealing with smoking or partying or something like that um it works yeah. yeah which is devastating because then a person will never never know jesus and it turns people off as well isn't it because there it becomes religion where it's this whole set of rules and that's what a lot of people already have that preconceived idea that's just going to be all these do not rules um, and as you say, a lot of that we can um, let it go and actually disciple them and lead them into relationship with Jesus and, like you say, tackle the, the root issues and the deeper issues and, and a lot of that behaviour will fall away automatically, you know, once those things are tackled. But you've done it in such a way that they've entered into relationship rather than just a list of rules. Yeah, because yeah. it gives the impression also, like, I think it gives people an idea of, oh, Jesus couldn't love me, I do this. Yeah. Like, Jesus couldn't love me, I'm too far gone, I'm too far wrong, because it's the focus on, this is wrong, this yeah. is wrong, rather than, no, no, like, Jesus loves you, like, just the way well, you, you are. are. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing as well, isn't it, because it, it's too hard if they don't have a relationship, they, they might, might try initially and... You know, in their own strength to curb all these behaviours and things, um, not knowing about walking in the fruit of the Spirit and having the empowering help of the Holy Spirit, and, and they get all that with relationship. But if they mm. don't have that first, it's just too hard often. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about salt and light. Liv, did you want to read Matthew five thirteen to 16? Yep. Okay, so you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Cool, thanks. So what was so important about salt? Well, salt, um, in the ancient world, salt was very highly valued. And um, the expression here where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, we've actually got an expression that, you know, um, that we use today that is the highest compliment you could pay someone. You know, when we want to actually um, stress someone's worth and their usefulness, <laughs> we have that expression where we say, you know, that person is the salt of the earth. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've got, in, in Jesus' time, salt was connected with three special qualities. And the first one, it was connected with purity. So um, do you want to talk to that a bit, Liv? Yeah. So um, for me, like, being salt as a, a pure person is holding a righteous standard. So um, in this world, there's a lot of, I guess, corruption in that that we can see. But amidst that, we have to remain pure and even when we do mess up we're lucky because we have a god that is a great purifier so we can go back to him and we can be made new no matter what kind of happens in our life so yeah yeah it's so important for us to be standard bearers because i i think about this often like what is the point in being a christian what is the power of jesus if your life is exactly the same as the person sitting next to you who isn't a believer you know i think about like you know, talking to people at work and they're dealing with your know, fear situations and 
you know, I had someone asking me the other day, like, oh, how did you feel when that situation didn't go as you planned? I was like, oh, it was fine. Oh, Jesus, I had peace no matter what was happening. Yep. Mm. I was going to be okay, you know. Um, like, there needs to be a, a difference to our lives. Mm. And um, I was just reading in um, Barclay's um, study Bible that the Romans said that salt was the purest of all things because it came from the purest of all things, sun and sea. Oh, that just appeals to me because yeah. I love the ocean, but... Yeah, as Liv said, if we are to be salt, we need to be an example of purity. And as you would say, people need to see in the workplace or wherever we are that we are different. We do stand out as different. And, you know, our world has got increasingly low or no standards even, and it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, everything that's wrong is not accepted as right. And, and so we are the ones who are in here to actually hold up the standards of absolute purity. And we need to hold that up, those standards of purity in our speech, in our actions, and in our thoughts. And as we look at the parables of Jesus, we see as well Jesus came and, 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 and you know, often he started with saying, You've, you were taught this, so he's referring to the Old Testament, you heard this, but I tell you, and he's coming with a new message. And, and, and part of that is that um, it's our thoughts are just as, you know, just as important as our actions. And, you know, he, he, he speaks about lust. If you lust in your thoughts, it's the same as adultery. Um, if you hold on to anger and stuff in your thoughts, it's the same as murder. So really just bringing those standards into the world and standards of honesty and diligence and morals in particular, I think that's really, you know, our world has really lost that. And um, the Bible also tells us that we are in the world but not of the world, and that's speaking about that difference, making that difference and actually standing out as different and, um, you know, no coarse joking, no bad language, no gossiping, etc., and James one twenty seven says, Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, and to look uh, sorry, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Mm, so yeah. we are you know, the last frontier, if you like, you know, Christians yeah. we should be holding up the standard and being different. Yeah. Well I I can't recall Jesus ever saying, You need to be relevant, you need to be attractive. It's like, no, you are different, there's a difference to your life. And, like, don't be afraid of that. Um, You know, if we put ourselves into worldly situations seeking to be be relevant to those around us, often we just fall into the temptation ourselves. Um, You know, it draws us down into sin. Yeah. And that doesn't honour God. Yeah. And and that's the thing, the Word of God and is relevant. Uh, I think relevant yeah. has been seen to be, oh, if you've been relevant, it's more conforming and, and compromising, conforming with what's around you. And that's not re- what relevance is because we are relevant. We've got a different message. And the world actually needs that because, uh, you know, it's got all the other and it's sick of that and that's not bringing them the answers that they need. Yeah. world doesn't need any more religion. That's right, yep. Mm. And, um, you know, also, uh, you know, I often think as well, I, I need to pull myself up if I'm in a situation where people feel that they can actually maybe gossip around me um, or they can use bad language and stuff. You know, there was a situation once where someone was using really bad language in front of David and afterwards I said to him, like, it disturbed me that they mm. could actually have so little respect for you or feel that it was okay to do that in front of you. And, and so I think as well that's a check for me as well. If people feel comfortable doing that, then I need to look at myself and say, have I slipped into, into gossip myself or into, you know, just sitting allowing it. And that's important, the whole, like, checking within yourself. Like, you have to go and examine your heart, like, to remain at a pure 
standard, that is a consistent process. Yes, that's good. Like it's not just holding it. You have to keep looking back and go, okay, God, reveal to me what, you know, what do I need to get rid of? How do I keep your standard? That's really good. Yeah, you do constantly checking. Definitely. Yep. All right, so what about salt being a preservative? Liv, can you speak to that? Yep. So I kind of... um, I guess kind of along the same lines of purity, like when I think of preserving, I, I start to question like what are we supposed to be preserving and I suppose in um, a world that's got lowering standards, we're kind of preserving goodness and righteousness and um, and the kingdom of God kind of on this earth and I guess preserving like our relationship with him as well and um, like the light of the world, like preserving the light in the darkness, but I guess we'll get to that later, but yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, whenever I think of that, I think back to my school history, which I used to love, you know, when they did the voyages of discovery, um, those months and months and months, or I suppose even years, maybe on ships, and, and they didn't have fridges and stuff, and how salt was the thing that they used to preserve their food and their meat and stuff. And, and so I think as Christians, if we are to be salt in the world, then we need to have a certain antiseptic influence in life, so something that is a bit different and a bit of a sting maybe. Um, you know, if you've got sore throat, you gargle with salt, that often kills the germs. And that's what we need to be in the world. And there will be times when, um, yeah, our presence does sting or it does offend. And I'm not talking offense for the sake of offending, but Jesus offended every single day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, so there should be a certain amount of, of clash, if you like, um, just in terms of our stand and what the world offers. And, um, yeah, so that should be apparent. Definitely, yeah. it was yeah. like the only way to get healing. Like I, rem- I remember every summer in my childhood, my sister had a very bad eczema. We always you'd go to the beach and it always clear up over summer because salt. of the salt in the water, and you know it just you know was able to bring a bit of additional healing than what she was able to get throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, that's good as that. Yeah, it's pretty powerful then in that sense, isn't it? Yeah, like bringing salt to the world. It's a powerful yeah. preservative. It's a powerful healer, cleanser. And and that's yeah. the thing. Jesus chose his analogies really carefully yeah. and with a lot of purpose. Um, so that's really yeah, really important. Yeah. All right. Let's read this quote by William Barclay. We all know that there are certain people in whose company it is easy to be good and that there are certain people in whose company it is easy for standards to be relaxed. There are certain people in whose presence a soiled story would be readily told, and there are other people to whom no one would dream of telling such a tale. The Christian must be the cleansing antiseptic in any society in which he happens to be. He must be the person who by his presence defeats corruption and makes it easier for others to be good. I think that, um, that that talks into what I said a few minutes ago about like we need to examine ourselves if, if we're in company where you know people feel it's alright to do that then I would always as I said look at myself first and say have I let my standards slip or have I been indulging in things that I shouldn't um, because you know I need to stand out as different and um, you know that's what what it's referring to there as well. It's talking about transference of spirits, isn't it? That mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes easy to be to be bad in, in some company and to be good in other. And um, 
1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Mm. And again, that's talking about that transference of spirit. So just really that we, we need to be the ones as salt that actually are different, different sorry, and makes it easier for other people to also stand up for, for what they you know believe is right. You know, you might have, you have people at different levels of um, their walk and stuff. And so someone might feel it's wrong, but they might not yet have the courage to actually stand up. And if you're a more mature believer and you actually do speak it out with it, it will make it easier for them as well. You know, they have the support there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I always sort of I look at it like two aspects of relationship that, you know, when we're with a non-believer, like our life needs to be a shining example to them and pulling them up. Mm. But then also it's like a standard, if you know this person is less mature than you, like there should be like a pull. You should, as with the non-believer, like pulling them up. And I think it's a concern for us if a person is less mature and we don't feel friction mm. in their presence. Like then, because we need to be... um yeah, pulling them up and encouraging them in further along in their journey. Um, yeah, when you feel that clash of values, because at some point when you're hanging out with them, there will be that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that friction happening because your values might not align, and that's when they either choose to come to your standards or mm. you choose to go, go down, down to theirs. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wish you could see Liv's hands. They do really good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, like, talk to my hand. <laughs> that's really so true, isn't it? Yeah. Either they'll come up or you will be pulled down. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So watch your company as well, hey? Mm. All right. So salt lends flavor to things. Anyone's a, a cook out there? <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs> not me. She lies. <laughs> Well, I guess um, Christianity is to laugh what salt is to food, hey? Or it should be. Um, And our Christianity, as we said, should stand out something positive, exciting, adding flavor to life, not religious, not sour. And I was just thinking about this, um, you know, how often do we see Christians going around being depressed or I'm under attack or whatever and, you know, just um, (laughs) I'm going through dealing with all my wounds and this and that. And just like... We should actually be lively, alive and totally vivid, not like depressed or walking wounded or besieged all the time. We should be really full of joy. Um, And that's one thing I really love about, you know, we have um, a lot of people in and out of the house and, you know, the boys do gym in the garage and stuff. And David's got an infectious laugh. um, And I just love, like, sometimes I'll be sitting in my study or in my bedroom and, you know, they're all here doing it. And I just hear this laughter all the time, just always. There's so much laughter in the house. And, and I love that. That's really great. Um, that's You know, I just think that's what it should be like, full of joy. And I know when I first met David, that's one of the things that really attracted me to him, his pure joy, like he used to every single day. It was a joy to be alive and to wake up. I think some yeah. of that's been a bit knocked out over the years. <laughs> but, you know, generally that was... Um, but yeah, and when the, when things are tough in the world, we should actually be able to stand out as someone who's calm and serene. And really, in a depressed world, we should be full of joy. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. So yeah. that, that's the flavour, isn't it? I yeah. think what you're saying, Kyle, like with the the whole Christian thing, like we should see that joy and stuff. I think it's like we see realness. Like so much of this world is fake. 
Like mm-hmm. it's just buy the next thing, you'll be happy. Do this, yeah. you'll be happy. Get your nails done, get your hair done. Like it's so like keep busy, keep distracted, yes. keep. And instead of that, like real life, you get a taste, a flavor of just realness mm-hmm. when you come in contact with that person who is really being felt. Yeah. And it's that difference between happiness and joy, isn't yeah. it? Happiness is dependent on your circumstance or on, like you're saying, what you're doing. If I get this, I'll be happy. If I do that, I'll be happy. And that is just, you know, try and see it. It doesn't last. But that joy is something deeper and, as you say, genuine because it genuine, doesn't yeah. matter what your circumstances are. You still have that. Yep. But it's just like, you know, just writing that made me sort of think, um, you know, sometimes you can be doing a lot of counseling and stuff and, I just feel like thinking, oh, I'm just going to walk in there and just slap the person on the head and say, like, just, you're not the walking wounded. Get over it now. Let's be full of joy, you know. But, I mean, I know people have got to process. But I thought me as well, how often am I focusing on, oh, I'm going through this or I'm going through that. And we've just got to, that is not flavor. No. It's vivid and joyful. That's just the word vivid really is standing out in my mind. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Definitely. I like it. Good. Yeah. I was struggling with this at work the other day like a whole bunch of changes going on and I was <laughs> going from fuming to like, <laughs> like keep it together deal with it but don't let the emotions control you because your God is bigger than this that's right no that's matter what good. happens if you lose your job you lose your job and whatever <laughs> oh, <laughs> work out. and that's what joy <laughs> is isn't it <laughs> Oh, my necklace. <laughs> that Liv, Liv bought me a YOLO necklace for my birthday. <laughs> I must say it was more Josh than Liv's influence on buying what the YOLO. What was the YOLO again? It you was only live once. Yeah. Okay, that's true. And I mean, that's what joy is, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So it doesn't mean you're like, eh, grinning like a shit and I can't wait. I'm totally fine with you saying you, those awful things about me. Yeah. <laughs> you've got that actual, really, that, that just that peace and that substance haven't you in whatever situation that you're going through yeah um what do you think of the next oh well part of that scripture it's no longer good for anything except to be this is sorry it says assault loses saltiness it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot yep well jesus makes it pretty plain in revelations that he hates weak warm christians and he's going to spit us out so there you go if we're no longer salty, if we're no longer being light bearers, like, there's the consequences. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You're hot or you're cold. Yeah. You can't sit on the fence. Um, yeah. You're hot or you're cold. You're yeah. Cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there as well, so if it loses its usefulness, because usefulness, uh, usefulness, sorry, uselessness always invites disaster. So really, if you're not fulfilling your purpose as a Christian, then you're headed for disaster. Mm. And um, so we have to to look at ourselves and say, are we bringing purity? Are we bringing that antiseptic <laughs> and that flavor to the world and you know, to, to our circumstances, to the people around us? Because for a lot of people around us, we may be the only salt and light that they mm. are actually um, experiencing. And if we're not bringing that, then there's a problem. Um, I just wanted to read you something... Um, out of uh, Barclays, I've got written here an interesting antidote. So let's see. Or anecdote. <laughs> not antidote. Antidote. Anecdote. Um, page 121. Let's hope I've got it here. 
sorry girls, can you just um, stay with me? It, was, it must have been really good. There you go. Here we go. All right. um, it remains to be noted that sometimes the early church made a very strange use of this text. That's the part that we just read about um, salt being thrown out and trampled on. In the synagogue amongst the Jews, there was a custom that if a Jew became an apostate and then returned to the faith, before he was received back into the synagogue, he must in penitence lie across the door of the synagogue and invite people to trample upon him as they entered. In certain places, the Christian church took over that custom, and a Christian who had been ejected by discipline from the church was compelled before he was received back to light the door of the church and to invite people as they entered. Trample upon me who am the salt which has lost its savour. Wow. Isn't that quite interesting? I, <laughs> I can see from Lena's face, she has actually visualised <laughs> certain people lying across the doorway that she would trample on. Right? Oh, or you jumping so up well. and down on top of them. I could just tell that from your face. Take it. Um, yeah, no, we're going to talk about forgiveness later. Well, well, let, let that be a little thing for us. Like, I don't want to ever have to be um, um, trampled upon, so I'm going to make sure I'm going to be soft. Don't lose myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, thought, I just thought that you might enjoy that. So I'll give Alina something else to go and repent about because there must be a bit of vengeance in your heart there if you enjoyed it so much. <laughs> All right, so we're going to the next part of um, that verse, Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. <laughs> Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, um, you know, what did Jesus mean when he said that we must be light of the world? We're going to just look at some at some points here. We, the first one we're going to talk to is the light is something that is meant to be seen. <coughs> I guess I kind of got from the whole thing like Jesus was the original light of the world so before we were the light of the world Jesus was the light of the mm. world so now that we are the light of the world we are shining his light Jesus yeah. into the world and so we carry with us everything that he stood for so his light was the work of the cross which was love hope freedom so how relevant is that for us to be shining today so there's so many people out there that need his love that need his hope that need his freedom so we now shine jesus out into the world as the original light we carry his light kind of thing light yeah. bearers yeah well it's no yeah. good to anyone if they fumbling around in the dark for the light yeah. and yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I had, um, what you were saying there, Liv. I've got that. In, in um, John 9, verse 5, Jesus says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Yeah. And then he goes on in that verse to say, You are the light of the world. Um, you know, So that's really a compliment, isn't it, that we get from, from Jesus. He's saying, While I'm in the world, I'm the light. Now that I've gone, you are the light. Yeah. So it really is a compliment and something, as you said, to live up to. Um, so yeah, light is something meant to be seen, and again, it talks to our walk or our Christianity should be perfectly visible to everybody around us, and we really should shine. We should stand out as different in our daily activities. And notice that Jesus didn't say we are the light of the church, mm. but the light of the world. world. Yeah. So it's you know you might be we might be wonderful in church or whatever and doing everything and all our ministries and stuff and you know shining there, but we need to make sure that we're shining out. 
yeah. in the world, in our workplace, in our everyday. Definitely. And, like, you look, too, at the the purpose of, like, a lighthouse, you know, guarding ships around um, rocks and things like that. Like, that's, that's what we're called to do, mm. you know? Mm. Be that guide and steer people away from what's going to shipwreck them spiritually yeah. in life. Yeah. And what you just said there, that's the second point that we we're talking about, a light as a guide, and, and what you're saying, you know, I was thinking about it, I was thinking of lighthouses, the cat's eyes on the road, um, you know, the, the lights mm. at the airport, your your road lights that we have, and all of those things actually make clear the way, don't they? So, you know, it makes clear the way that the aeroplane knows where it's got to land, it can see where to go, the cat's eyes, we know where to drive and stuff, and, and that's what we should be doing to people, we making the way clear to Jesus for them. And again, that involves making, being willing to make a stand, and um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think especially in this day, um, in my sermon, I spoke about deception. Like, um, it's increasingly happening in our world that there's more and more deception, like yeah. disillusionment, like just lies everywhere. And I think that whole idea of as a guide and making clear the way is that truth, yeah, straight through the deception. Yeah. So we have to stand tr- like on the truth yeah. know the truth in our hearts so that we can find our way through that and, and that's what the word says and that you'll know mm-hmm. the truth and the truth will set you free yeah. and in fact when you're dealing with any form of bondage and sin and stuff the thing that does just deal with it like right at the core is shining a light on it yeah so we always yeah. find shine a light on it straight into a situation any situation that you can think of and that does um you know that's always the the first route to take to dispel that deception or whatever the problem is you're dealing with yeah yep um a light can also be a warning so warning lights tell us of danger you think of a railway crossing it's got the warning lights flashing to tell you to stop i mean our indicators on our car mm. um what do you guys call them flickers or something no, yeah. just got but the indicators are, are warning people behind you of you know which way you're going to turn so they don't get get caught and we we have reflectors on trailers and things or, or even you know on certain road signs so it's actually warning you um you know we even have lights that would warn us when batteries are going flats and things and and, you know, cars as well, even, you know, do you ever drive past a car and there's a speed trap ahead and they flash their lights to warn you? So, yeah. um, and we need to then look at that. If we are to be warning as well, that talks to actually needing to speak up and warn others. I mean, it would be the worst thing to ever have someone come back to you and say, if only you had spoken to me mm. or said that to me. You know, and the Bible talks as well about if we see someone going into sin or whatever, we need to warn them. Yeah. 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 And so light would do that shine and light on it and really warn them and, and, and be there to do it and it takes courage to do it but we really need yeah. to do it it's know? far better to be embarrassed than to be hanging out in heaven going yep. oh. if, only, if only yeah I had told them yep sometimes people will even come to you because they see like we have the Holy Spirit so we have that foresight that insight the spiritual yep. revelation and I've had people just come to me and ask me advice about things you know yes. as if thinking there's probably going to be some kind of warning and I've been like okay that's that's interesting because they know that you have that relationship with God mm. and that's something they want to know about in their life like they it'll be like a question about their relationship yeah. with God not some airy fairy thing but you know they'll see that you're different that you yes. have that light you have the warning you know 
you know, the direction. And that's what you're saying, the main thing is they see mm. something's different and yeah. even when they don't know what it is, they see something's different and they yeah. are attracted and drawn to that moth yeah. to a flame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, Matthew 16 as well, um, Jesus goes on and he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that m- they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And two things stand out here, that they may see your good deeds, so men are to see our good deeds, and that, that your deeds will actually glorify your Father in heaven. So do you want to talk to that, anyone? Yeah, I think it's good because like, <laughs> sometimes we can try and do everything like secretly. <laughs> As if somehow being a good is going to, like, you know, like that's, yeah. that's just it's a bit of pride sort of thing. But, you know, God wants us out there active, um, helping people because it's glorifying him. And we're not taking the glory to ourselves. Mm. But I do this. I choose to love because Jesus loved me first. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. And the the Greek word used there for good is called... Uh, I don't know, callous, callous, so I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. But And yeah, it means not only good, but also attractive. Mm. So they can see it, it's going to attract them to Jesus as well. And then, um, as you said, it's drawing attention to God so that he's receiving the glory. It's not for us. We shouldn't. It's different, you know, where Jesus spoke against the Pharisees and stuff, doing your good deeds in front of men. But it was because they were doing it with the motive of look at me and get reward. And so we're not drawing attention to ourselves and... And, and we need to remember as well that any good deeds that we do do, um, you know, that might bring us praise, praise or glory, we need to always remember it's only because God has enabled us or empowered us or gifted us that we can actually do it. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's even the smaller things yep. that are the most effective, like where people most see your light shine. Even if it's just at work, you know, someone's really upset and you're the only one to kind of just listen to them for yeah. a minute yeah. sometimes that can be a, a, like a greater impact than donating thousands of dollars yes. to a charity yes. like just yes. those small little things is where um like people will see your good deeds and realize that well this person genuinely yeah cares. because you're investing of yourself aren't yeah. you i mean it's easy mm. to give money that's probably you know okay if you've got lots as well it's even easier yeah but it's where you actually like you say investing of yourself that it's, it's you know not yeah yeah declaring to them you are important yeah, important yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. all right is so. there anything else i think liv's just going to leave <laughs> us with a challenge Yes, so... <laughs> oh, before you do, Liv, can I just say that Liv um, preached on Salt and Light a few weeks ago, and so Lena Lifehouse... Yeah, if you go onto our Lifehouse Church podcast, you'll be able to download Liv's sermon on Salt and Light. <laughs> yep. Of iTunes. Yeah. Excellent. So, so you are salt and you are light. It's part of your identity, what God's called you to be. So keeping that in mind, are you bringing that to every area of your life? Are you keeping that pure standard? Are you letting your light shine? Are you letting Christ in you shine through every situation? Good. Good. All right, that's all from us this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you've got any feedback for us, you can... Um, find us on our website www.life-house.net or you can find us on Facebook under Lifehouse Ministries. Have a good week. Thank you.